At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place. By working more efficiently. By using more sustainable practices. By developing better technologies. We keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com slash purpose. Parker, engineering your success. itself is basically in poor taste. You may find all the rest of the stuff that comes along in fantastically good taste. You know, it's, it's, oh, you're constantly in a quandary when you're in showbiz, really. I mean, when uh, when you're being carried away and carried around on the crowd, on their shoulders, people cheering and yelling, demanding so much of we in showbiz, gonna get, it gets very, very uh, difficult at times. And uh, since uh, this is one of those nights where it's very difficult for me to decide whether or not I'm going to bow to the demand of the public or to continue to do what I, in my deep soul, wish and know has to be done to clear up the problems of our commonwealth. <laughs> so <laughs> uh, I've been getting a fantastic public demand to do some singing. And uh, I, I I can't explain this except to say, well, talent will out. That's about all I can say. And uh, being basically a modest person, I can only say, well, I'm surprised that the people want to hear so much of my singing. In fact, one lady wrote with a shaky kind of a handwriting in purple ink on green stationery, said, dear Mr. Shepherd, my entire house comes to life when you sing. It just comes to life. Signed, Mrs. Alma Glockenspiel, Lennon, New Jersey. Well, I don't want to disappoint that lady, and there's been many others, so if you please... Uh, Al, please, uh, we'll bow to the public here for just a few moments, uh, and then we'll get down to business. Yeah. One of these things, you're going to miss me, honey. One of these things. Yes, somebody sings. Oh, thank you, Al. That's enough. That's enough. You just don't want to sate the public. Got to be very careful about that in this business. 
And, uh, and by the way, we'd uh, like to salute uh, a little development here in Johannesburg. And it, it explains some, maybe possibly, explains a mystery that has been bugging me recently. You know, I've been riding up and down this elevator here at this radio station since just before the fall of Rome. And, uh, you know, you get so that you know everything about the elevators. And you, you like anybody that uh, goes to a place uh, over a certain length of time, you get, it's part of your home. It's part of your whole beat, you know? I mean, uh, <laughs> the, the, you know, the elevator, you just know it. Well, I have noticed recently, and, and, and now that I look back on it, it's been going on for some time. Have you noticed, Al, in the elevator that there are certain floors that this elevator never stops on? Look carefully. There are certain floors. For example, you never see the elevator here stop on the 14th floor. Now, I've been watching this very carefully. Now, <laughs> now I, I, I just bring this up because... Uh, I read this little news note from the Associated Press in Johannesburg. Now, you, I've been in Johannesburg. Now, for those of you who don't know anything about Johannesburg, don't confuse it with Africa. I mean, Johannesburg can only be compared to, say, Chicago. It's a big, fantastic uh, industrial city. You know, giant buildings, skyscrapers, traffic jams, walk lights, the whole bit. You know, you're going down one of the main streets in Johannesburg. It's, it looks more like an American city than any city I've ever been in in Europe. It really looks American. You know, there's big department stores and elegant departments with escalators and elegant-looking people walking around and walk lights and parking meters and the whole business, you know. And so it's that kind of a city. Well, here's a note from uh, Johannesburg, AP. A new assistant manager of a hotel here, a major hotel, and it might even been the one I was staying in there, it was a big hotel, was puzzled. He just knew there, see? And that's... By the way, there's an old slogan, you know, among photographers. Do you know the slogan among photographers? It is this. It's, it's actually a statement of truth, policy. That if you're going to photograph a place, let's say you go to uh, Munich, or uh, let's say you go to uh, someplace like uh, Copenhagen or something, photograph that place the first three days you're there. Because after that, you will no longer see it. You'll become used to that great big white ceramic polar bear that's standing on top of the flagpole, whistling Dixie with a neon tail, you know, that holds a beer bottle aloft. And <laughs> you, the first five minutes, you'll say, oh, my God, look at a bear. And uh, if you don't take that picture, by the end of the third day, you, the, the bear is just part of the scene. You know, you, you know, with a bear, you know, you don't even notice it. And that's a fact. It's an absolute truth. That, uh, that some of the worst pictures of places are taken by guys who are lifelong residents of those places. And so uh, this is one of the reasons why a lot of writers can come to a city, say, like New York, and within a year or so they can turn out a fantastic novel about New York because it's all new and, and uh, they see it. It's a place of wonder, and it's a place of constant uh, amazement. But, too, a lifelong resident. Yeah, he comes in, sits down, and he ate like a pig. I remember he would lean down over his, his, his cup of soup or whatever it was we would have. And, by the way, the soup, uh, boarding house soup, is legendary. For those of you who have never tasted boarding house soup, 
Uh, that would be kind of great if if, uh, if Campbell's would come out with a very hip soup. You know, they got all these chunky soups and all that. They early American soup. Be great if they came out with one simply called boarding house soup. And uh, you know, you got to give people an idea of what life is like out there. Well, boarding house soup does not taste like any specific flavor. In other words, when you have soup, you have vegetable soup. What does it taste like? Vegetable soup, right? All right. If you have, uh, say, uh, onion soup, it's supposed to taste like onions. Well, boarding house soup is just non-denominational soup. So <laughs> you, you sit, you sit, and you eat the soup, and you don't really eat the soup because it's a kind of a cloudy grayish liquid, is what it is with sort of funny little lumps in it, and you can't quite tell what it is. You you don't really want to ask. So. Uh, since, uh, you know, it's bad enough eating the stuff without knowing what it is. So you sit down there, and you, every night I would say to myself, well, well, uh, they can't have it again tonight. I would always assume that, you know, tonight it's going to be a different thing. Nope, I get this this uh, <laughs> this cry, uh, kind of a crack-looking ball with this gray liquid. Well, this old guy would sit always on the corner chair because he wanted to get out real quick, and he'd come in and sit down, and he would eat. Nothing can turn you off quicker than to be sitting with a bunch of slobs eating it. Even if it, when the food is bad and then when the slobs are eating it, it's even worse. So he'd go, and he's dripping the soup all over all over this, this tablecloth. And that tablecloth could not afford any more drips, I can tell you this. Of course, it was academic at that point. I mean, it, it had been dripped on, like, for, say, maybe a month and a half before they cleaned it. So, and he would look up, and every time he would go, his eyebrows would go up. <laughs> at that point, you know, I, I, I would look down at my soup, this, this gray, curious, uh, non-denominational soup. Speaking of which, this is W-O-R in New York. Uh, yes, it is. And by the way, we've got a commercial here before we go any further. Yeah, listen, uh, yes, uh, Virginia, there is a Mr. Chan. And uh, he, uh, yeah, there really is. You, you've seen the uh, sign there for 500 years on the corner of 52nd Street and 7th Avenue. Great Chinese restaurant here in New York. The House of Chan. There is a Mr. Chan. And he started the restaurant 35 years ago, and he is still in firm command. <laughs> and I mean it. And if you would like to try some really great hot Chinese dishes, did you know that they've discovered, and I'm delighted to hear this, that the younger the, uh, the, uh, customer is, the more he's willing to try exotic and hot Chinese dishes, the really interesting Chinese food. He says the older people tend to always say, oh, I like some chop suey. But uh, if you want some really interesting Chinese food, you ask for, for example, gung pao, which is a kind of Chinese chicken. It's really great. This is the House of Chan, and they're on the corner of 7th and 52nd. They're open seven days a week, and they're open to midnight. The House of Chan, 7th and 52nd. They're really making it big with, with some guy. He'll ask you to lunch. That means, uh, you know, uh, it's, it's, it's working. So now you can get a three-credit-hour course in lunchmanship. And I suppose every day they have uh, lab courses, I'm sure, that they one day you come in, the classroom is, uh, has been cleverly disguised to look like a little east-side French bois, you know, how to order uh, uh, wine. Uh, how, to, how, how to get the most out of your out of your expense account. Then, of course, the next day you come in, and it's disguised as a little uh, lower west side, colorful Italian restaurant. 
And uh, I don't know exactly how it works, but you get three credit hours for lunchmanship. And I did this thing on the air here a year or two ago. Oh, the college got very mad. <laughs> they demanded that I retract the statement. And uh, so I wrote to the place, and I said, well, it's in your catalog. What do you mean, retract the statement? I never heard from him again. Retract the statement. But uh, nevertheless, uh, uh, I... I uh, Going back to that, that the boarding house, I don't know why I'm telling you this story. I don't think I've ever told the story about this boarding house because, it, you know, it's one of those things you block out of your mind. There's certain bad periods in your life that you just, you don't want to hear about anyway. Just the curtain rings down and that's the end of it. But that one boarding house summer, I remember like, like a, oh, like a bad tooth, uh, like some kind of a bad scene. It was much worse than anything I ever had in the Army because it's so depressing. And, and you couldn't get out of it. And they had all kinds of rules. And that's another good thing about boarding houses. Like, uh, you can't play a radio over uh, after 7.30 p.m. Well, of course, it's because Mrs. Applerot in room 902 uh, goes to sleep at 7.15. Either that or her cat goes to sleep at 9.15. And she's, uh, you know, the sister-in-law of the owner of the place. And so you can't turn your radio on after 7.30. Uh, there will be no loud noises of any type after 6 p.m. above the first floor. Well, what does a loud noise consist of? Well, one day, I found, believe it or not, one day I got, I got a note under my door saying that if I didn't cut out those loud noises that I was having, that my, my, uh, my luggage would be out on the street and I would forfeit my rent uh, for that week. You know what the loud noises were? Well, that week I had a cold. And I found myself coughing occasionally. And that was disturbing uh, Mrs. Uh, Needleman, who uh, lived down by the John. And by the way, Mrs. Needleman spent that entire summer in the bathroom. Uh, we had only one to our floor. And that's all, another part of the elegant uh, life of the boarding house, is that who gets there first owns it. And, uh, <laughs> and uh, the rest of you, you could just stand on one foot and stand on the other foot and then cross your legs, jump up and down, and finally run down to the Shell Station down at the end of the block, who, by the way, got very hip to that. He realized that all these people coming in were coming down from the boarding house, and uh, he would not give the key. You know the little key that says men's room? He wouldn't give the key to anybody unless they drove the car in. <laughs> so when you get really desperate, I would go down and get my car to the parking lot, drive around, and come in like I'm a customer, you know. And, uh, so you, you get... This is boarding house life. These are all little things that uh, that you have to live with in the boarding house. Then, of course, is that there's uh, there's other things. For example, invariably, boarding houses are uh, are run by by people who are unbelievably deficient in imagination. I don't know what it is about boarding house people. People who run boarding houses, second-rate motels, and tenth-rate hotels all have something in common. They seem to love Battleship Gray. Everything is painted this gray. <laughs> it's a kind of a yeah, and it seems to be standard in these places. Uh, I, is 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 blue paint more expensive than gray, Al? You you must know about these things. It isn't. You mean you, you all these years have been under the wrong impression that they they painted them gray because it was cheaper? I think it is cheaper. Well, I, I'm, they must have bought you know like twelve million gallons of surplus paint from the navy. They could have gotten that. But uh, here I am in my room every night, and I'm getting desperate. I'm going up the walls. Tis, uh, just, uh, oh, and the phone. That's another thing. You must realize you do not have a phone in your room when you're in a boarding house. Don't confuse boarding houses with, with motels or hotels. 
No, no. The phone is downstairs in Mrs. Clevenger's parlor. Mrs. Clevenger ran the boarding house. The phone is downstairs, and she lets it known to you very quickly that that is her phone. That is not the phone of the boarding house. It's her phone. And so you do not go down and, you know, pick up the phone and call, call your friends, nor do you have them call in. So there's no phone in this boarding house. And uh, there are other things. Heat, for example. Uh, there are always large numbers of elderly ladies and elderly gentlemen who live in boarding houses. And due to the fact that their bones have been ossified for over maybe 50 years at this point, they need excessive amounts of heat. So, uh, it is forbidden to open any windows in the boarding house unless Mrs. Clevenger personally gives you her permission. And so I would come into this boarding house, it's 120 degree, and there's that, that, that curious aroma of a mortuary about it. I don't know what it is that, that old people carry around with it. There's a strange aroma of, of elderly... Uh, archaic perfumes, you know, the kind of perfumes that ladies must have worn to Civil War balls with this, you know, odd things like jasmine perfume. Uh, you could smell the rug, and th there was this curious smell of disinfectant. Uh, I don't know how the disinfectant got in there because they, you, you never, I never got into the John, actually, so I don't know where that was used, but you could smell a, a smell that vaguely resembled elderly mothballs. Yes, uh, and, and I would lie in my sack in this 110-degree temperature. Oh, and they had fixed the window. That's another thing. It had a window in my room. And the window had been fixed so that I could not open it. I tried the first two nights. I thought, maybe I'll, I'll, I'll cheat, you know, I'll open the window. It, it, at the end of the third night, I realized that the window was actually sunken in concrete. They had a concrete casement. Ain't ain't no way to open that window, because I figured they thought you were going to jump out, you know, climb down four floors to cheat Mrs. Clevenger out of the $8 rent, you know, <laughs> whatever it is. So you couldn't get out of this place. Once you got in, you were in, you know? So I, I, I remember this night. I, I, I finally got up, you know, really uptight. And I couldn't stand it, so I got up. It's hot. The temperature's 110 degrees in this place. I gotta have some life. And I could hear elderly sounds once in a while, like the creak of something. And uh, once in a while you'd hear a faint voice going, whoosh, 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 off in the distance. I, I felt like, oh, my God, if, if anybody ever wants to write a play, um, you know, the Tennessee Williams, William Inge-type play, he could set it in one of these, these decaying boarding houses in a tacky street in a, in a Midwestern city, like, say, Toledo. And that happened to be where it was going on, where this scene was happening. See, so I'm I'm sitting sitting in the in the room. And I sit up on my bed. Had no chair in it. You had to sit on a bed. I mean, if we a chair, if you had a chair, you had to move the bed out. So I'm sitting on a bed, and my feet are on the floor. And I'm looking down at this curious uh, fuzzy carpet that was had no known color. It was just a carpet, and I could smell the paint and the disinfectant, and those voices and the creaking, and I could smell the aroma of the soup, that curious soup. It always smelled like that soup in that house. All this stuff was all mixed up. And the food itself was another thing. Past the soup, I should have told you a little bit about the food. Every night we had something which Mrs. Clevenger called meat. And it was gray. I don't know what it was exactly. It had, a, it had what looked like melted... You know, do you remember when you were a kid and you used to have this paste, this white paste, that you used to use in school, library paste. Well, they had stuff that looked a little bit like melted library paste over the meat. 
and that was called Mrs. Clevenger called it sauce. That was called sauce. Had no taste at all. It was just a curious whitish grayish fluid that would be on this stuff, and the the, the vegetable. And uh, I, I would only like to suggest that one of the best ways that I know of to really lose weight is to is to go to any boarding house. Just see what this boarding house. Put down one month's rent and sentence yourself only to eat at the boarding house for that month. And I can assure you, friend, that at the end of the month, you will have lost weight. Either that or you will, if you're a total pig, it would make no difference, you will have gotten fantastically fat because boarding house food runs to this kind of, you know, very starchy, gray, uh, pasty stuff. So I'm sitting there on the edge of my bed that night. And, and I looked down, and I was broke. I'm going to tell you, I was broke. Oh, was I, I was really, uh, I mean, it was Tap City all the way. And I was having a bad time. I mean, financially, I was scrabbling. So I'm sitting there on the edge of this bed, and I can't get out of this joint because the next, the previous day, there'd been two days before, I'd been going around looking for other places where I might be able to go, you see, get out of this. I couldn't stand it any longer. Like, a, you know, just to rent a, a couch in the, in the uh, lobby of the YMCA, maybe, something like that. Get out of this place. Well, I had paid my rent to the end of the week, and I couldn't give it up. <laughs> I couldn't give it up. Like, you know, I had about $6 more of squatting and, and terrible food coming to me. So I'm sitting on the edge of this bunk, and I'm really depressed. And I, I, I had very little belongings. You know, I had about, uh, you know, two shirts. I had a couple of pair of chino pants. That was about it. And it was summertime, hot. See, I didn't have any winter clothes or anything like that. And I had my one sport coat, which I had. That was to, to see whether, it, you know, one last try. Of course, the john is locked, and I can hear the water running in there. It's been locked with the water running in there with Mrs. Needleman or, or old, 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 Mr., old Mr. Gruber, by the way, all of those names. And, and Gruber was either in there, and they would shift. They would try, change off. Uh, Gruber... And Mrs. Needleman would change off. You know, you have the job from uh, 7 in the morning until 1 in the afternoon. I'll take it over at 1, and I'll hold it down until 5 in the afternoon. Then you can come on the night shift, and you'll hold it down until 2 in the morning, right? And so you never got in. I just tried the door on the way just to see whether it's, whether it's uh, still locked. And sure enough, and I walked down the steps, the staircase, down to the bottom floor where uh, Mrs. Clevenger lived in, uh, in uh, Victorian splendor. And she, she had it all going there, see? And I could smell the night's, uh, uh, the night's uh, <laughs> Brussels sprouts, the night's bread pudding cooking away there. And I, I, I walked into this heat, and she loved the hot. And she had ferns. That's another, you know that I have, I have formed an intense hatred for ferns due to the fact that Mrs. Clevenger had down on the ground floor, she had ferns all the way around. And these, you know, these wicker things that stand up on four legs with, with ferns. I... I Somehow, the smell of ferns, you know, they have a smell. You know that curious, acrid smell? The smell of ferns and geraniums, I always, she had geraniums. I always associate with that lousy, damn, crummy boarding house and those old ladies sitting down. And they always looked at me very suspiciously when I came down the steps because they always thought, you know, here was this guy, this younger than 20 years of, say, life, normal, rotten life. And so I, I, I'm walking out with this sack. You know, I got my little Woolworth bag with the imitation alligator skin cardboard. And she says, you're leaving. 
I said, well, I didn't want to break it to you. Know, somehow I had this curious feeling. Have you ever had this feeling of being, of having loyalty to something you hate? Now, why would I have any feeling? Why would I feel like I don't want to hurt her feelings? Like, yeah, I'm leaving. Uh, thank you. I, you've got the money to Friday or Wednesday or whatever it is, and uh, it's okay. You can check the room. You'll find that I didn't steal the... Uh, that uh, that gray carpet, nothing. <laughs> you know, and the lock is still there. You know, and so I felt I felt funny, like I was telling her something terrible, and I wanted to sort of get out so that she wouldn't know I was leaving, putting her down. And the other old ladies are rocking back and forth, sitting around her there, and Mr. Groover snorting around upstairs. He always blew his nose. He had a big thing on blowing his nose. There's certain old guys that love to blow their nose, and they carry these big white handkerchiefs. You ever seen that type? Yeah, they kind of go. Hank! They blow their nose, you know, it's a, it's a, like a rutting bull elephant, you know, right in season. See, he'd blow his nose. I used to hear that nose blowing, and he'd honk his nose for about an hour before supper time, and then he would honk it about an hour after supper time. And that was part of the scene. I can hear Gruber up there honking away. And I can hear Mrs. Needleman's cat scratching on the wall. And I can hear the water running in the john says, Well, Mrs. Needleman has been holding forth now for, well, since before 2 o'clock that afternoon. And I could smell the rose gentian perfume and the aphids on the, on the, on the ferns. And I can smell the, the, the you know, the, 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 the flowers. And, the, and, and, and there was a smell. And, you know, have you ever noticed, too, there's another curious smell that I would like to ask you to, to recall, if you will, have you ever stood very close to lace curtains and smelled them? You know that smell of lace curtains? It's a curious, sharp smell. I, hard to describe. It's a smell that's uh, kind of musty and, and decaying cloth. And we have lace curtains all over downstairs. And so there I am among the lace curtains and the, the, the geraniums and among the aphids and the... the the, the, the fern plants and Mrs. Clevenger she had wax fruit that was another thing I hate wax fruit she had I've developed a lot of antipathies and she had she had this round table and on the round table was a a lace tablecloth which she would always be sitting by reading some obscure book on theology she was always reading the collected sermons of uh, ministers that had three names like the Reverend Clarence W. Warren Seastrunk ESQ, Esquire, DDL, DSG. And that she's reading these sermons. And I'm trying to get out, and Mrs. Clevenger looked up at me in these watery blue eyes and said, You're leaving. And I said, uh, Well, uh, I just got a, uh, a, uh, a telegram, and, and uh, I have to go back home. I, I've got to go, go back home. <laughs> and uh, I, I didn't expect it. Okay. You're paid up to Saturday. We can't refund that, you know. I said, oh, oh that's, that's perfectly all right, Mrs. Clevenger. <laughs> I, uh, I certainly, uh, I agree. I said that, and I, and uh, don't, don't worry about it. Don't worry about it. And I start to edge out, and she, she persisted. Then she said, boy, is there trouble at home? Because in her world, a telegram always means the end of the world. You get a telegram, that means lightning has struck Uncle Howard. And uh, <laughs> come quick. Uh, that kind of thing. So she says, is that trouble at home? I said, oh, no, no. Oh, no, no, no. Just uh, uh, something I've got to get home. <laughs> i got to get back. i got to take care of uh, something. It's, uh, no problem. No problem at all. Well, you can tell us, you know. We're your friends, and we certainly 
Well, we'd, you know, we'd like to help if we, if we may. There's trouble. Now, you please tell us. I said, oh, no, 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 no. Well, she could tell I was lying. The trouble had nothing to do with home. It was, it was I felt I was feeling rotten about getting out, you know, and telling her this stuff. So I said, well, no, that's all right, Mrs. Clevenger. I, I'll take care of it. Uh, you know what? After all, uh, uh, it, it, by the way, she loves slogans. And so all over her, her, she called them mottos, and they were stitched and cross-stitched. And all around in the room, you things like, uh, like uh, old things like, uh, God is with us. Uh, things like, uh, bless our humble home. She had all these things, see. So I knew that the, the only way to get to her is to pop out a slogan. So I said, oh, don't worry about it, Mrs. Uh, Clevenger. <laughs> uh, it's all right, it's all right. Uh, into each life, some rain must fall. <laughs> Well, of course, she understood that. Thing. Oh, yes, it's true. Into each life some rain must fall. Well, yes, I always say that uh, that you must learn to take the bitter with the sweet. Is that what you say, Ethel? That's true. You must learn to take the bitter with the sweet. And uh, I always say that uh, that uh, there's no cloud, no gray cloud, but what it does not have a silver lining. <laughs> yes. And uh, you'll remember that when you're going home and, and uh, you've taken care of the price. Is it your poor mother? Well, I thought maybe I'd get away with it. I said, yeah, you know, it's, it, it is, Ma. Yes, that's true. Oh, I was afraid of that. I was afraid of that. So I tell you what. Oh, I certainly, I remember when my, more, my poor mother passed away. I'll never forget. I was living just outside of Niles, Michigan at the time. And uh, I remember that I had received the telegram that my mother, I was going that time to nursing school. I was a nurse, you know, when I was younger. And I received the telegram, and I traveled by day coach for two days. We lived in Fargo, you know, in the Dakotas, and we traveled all the way there, and it was too late. And my mother had gone, and I've never forgotten myself for that. And Ethel and I tonight will pray for your good mother, and we will pray for you. So... That's not necessary. (laughs) Oh, no, no. No, Ethel, we'd be pleased to pray for your good mother. Would you please tell us what her name is? I said, well, her name is... uh, I couldn't think of a name I was going to tell. You know, I didn't want the... I didn't want... If there was a... You know, if there was a God, I didn't want him to get this flim-flam stuff, so I thought of a name. I said, uh, well, her name is... uh, uh, Well, it's Clara. (laughs) I took one of my hands. Oh, Clara, what a nice name. It's certainly nice... Yes, uh, we will pray for your good mother, Clara, tonight. I said, well, thank you very much. I've got to catch the uh, <laughs> the uh, 602, and I'll see you there. And so I took my suitcase and out on the porch, and I walked down the street. And about halfway down the street, I started to run. I just couldn't help it. I was afraid somebody was going to get me. And I made the first turn I could. You know, I turned right, and off I went. And I could still smell it. It was in my nostrils. It was in my it was in my suitcase. It was in my clothes. The smell of that of that that Brussels sprout smell. That smell of of bread pudding. And the smell of battleship gray paint and jasmine perfume. The smell of of ferns. The smell of geraniums. And the smell of the mottos on the wall. And I, I imagined late that night, and by the way, where I stayed that night, I did. I stayed in the lobby of the YMCA. I told them, you know, I'm waiting for a call or something, and I stayed down there. And the next morning, bleary-eyed, 
I struggled off, and I finally got another place. But all that night, I imagined I could hear voices that we would like to pray for for the mother of that that young man, Clara. Yes, wherever she might be tonight. And Mrs. <laughs> Mrs. Clevenger and Mrs. Needleman and Ethel all sitting around down there on the ferns, quietly praying for a non-existent victim of the vicissitudes of life. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.